Hello and welcome to Life Learnings. I'm Dr. Barry Harker and my guest today is Dr. Eddie Ramirez. Dr. Ramirez is a lifestyle medicine physician from Weimar Institute in California. Today I'll be talking with Dr. Ramirez about some of the most important recent developments in lifestyle medicine. Dr. Eddie's Twitter account is Eddie, E-double-D-I-E, R-D-M-D. If you want to keep up with the very latest on lifestyle medicine and health and you have a Twitter account, Dr. Eddie's tweets are for you. That account again is Eddie, R-D-M-D. Welcome, Dr. Eddie. Thank you very much. I always enjoy coming back to Australia. Now, it's good to have you in the studio. Diabetes is a huge problem in the West. What is causing this epidemic and what contribution can lifestyle medicine make to combating diabetes? That's actually an excellent question. And I want to tell you the solution to this problem with a small story. You know, in the Pacific Ocean, there's this beautiful islands called the Marshall Islands. And some years ago, the Americans came and tested uh, some of their atomic bombs there. As a result of that, uh, the radiation affected a lot of people down there. And those people were not happy against the Americans, so they sued the American government. And believe it or not, they actually won the suit. I mean, the Americans were guilty of affecting this population. But, you know, as a result of that, they receive a lot of money from the American government. In the Marshall Islands, diabetes was unknown. But now you had this huge amount of money what are you going to do with so much money in a beautiful paradise like the Marshall Islands? So as a result of that, the people in the Marshall Islands started to change the way they live. And restaurant chains that were never ever in that place started to come up there. And the Life became more sedentary as work became more office-oriented. And the fact that there was more foods available that were not there in the past, people started incorporating that into their normal diet. And as a result, today, the Marshall Islands actually has one of the highest rates of diabetes in the world. It's actually quite sad as you go in those islands, you see a lot of people that have lost their limbs as a result of amputations, people that have lost their eyesight, people that have lost their kidneys, and all types of problems. So the question is, what causes diabetes? Is it genetical or does it have to do with your habits? And this is where lifestyle medicine comes to give us a good answer. I have uh, more than 20 years of working in lifestyle centers around the world, and the focus of lifestyle medicine is to try to identify what is causing the problem and make the changes so you can regain your health. And there is a lot of information published in the scientific literature. In the past, it was only a few doctors that were interested in this. 
But as the interest has increased, different organizations have come about to try to promote and educate the population and physicians about the power of lifestyle medicine. So here in Australia, nowadays, we have an organization called ALMA, which is uh, uh, one of the uh, those organizations that are promoting lifestyle medicine around this part of the globe. So what's causing diabetes? That's uh, the question that we need to answer. So this is the, uh, the theory that I like to share with my patients. When you gain weight, Gaining weight is not good for you. I'm not talking about uh, aesthetics of what the culture thinks is pretty or not pretty, regardless of, of that. I'm talking about the health side of things. When you are gaining weight, there is a lot of changes that happen inside your body. And your body knows this is not good. So one of the reasons why the body end up gaining weight, physiologically speaking, is because there is a hormone by the name of insulin. Insulin makes things grow in the body, among other functions that it has. So anytime that you have excess energy, the body cannot just get rid of the energy. The body is very efficient, so it needs to go ahead and store that energy somewhere. So with the help of the insulin, the insulin goes and knocks on the door of a fat cell and says, look, I have some energy here. Would you be kind enough to store this energy for me? <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll come later and, and get it. But unfortunately, that later never comes, you know. <laughs> and, um, and in that way, the person gains weight. But the body knows that it's not good to gain too much weight. So what the body says is, you know, this insulin hormone is just making me gain too much weight. This is not good. I'm just going to ignore the, uh, the knocking of the insulin so that I, I don't gain much weight. So there's this battle that starts inside of you. Insulin goes up in order for the functions of the body to continue because they are ignoring that insulin. So ignoring has to knock harder in order for the body to obey what the insulin is doing. And there's this battle going on. You gain weight, insulin gets ignored. Insulin gets increased in the body. The person gains more weight, insulin gets ignored. Insulin now goes even higher. And there's this going on. Sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years. And there comes a point in which the insulin cannot go any further up or the pancreas starts to get tired. And it cannot be throwing out so much insulin. And the thing of it is, is that Insulin not only helps you gain weight, insulin also helps put the sugar, the energy that you eat with, with your system into the cell. That's another one of the functions of the insulin. But since they are ignoring the insulin, what can, what can happen there? The insulin makes it so hard 
so that the sugar is circulating, but it's not making it inside the cell. And that's the reason why the sugar goes up in the body and the body's trying to get rid of that sugar. You start urinating sugar and this type of, of changes. So if one of the problems, there's, I'm, I'm trying to simplify things. There's other factors, of course, but I'm, I'm just trying to simplify it with these principles. If the problem was that you gain weight, what's the solution? The solution is to identify what's causing you to gain weight and helping you get into a weight loss program. Now, there is definitely some factor, some genetics involved in this. And what we know is that especially minorities tend to be hidden hard with the diabetes. So by minorities, I'm talking about people from Latin America, people of African origin, and people of Asian origin. And my personal theory is the following. See, a Caucasian can gain a little bit more weight than these other groups of people. And my theory is that it has to do with the way that uh, our ancestors were. Uh, your ancestors, uh, if you're Caucasian, they came from Europe. And in Europe, uh, there is very different seasons uh, during the different parts of the year. So there's a period in the year in which snow comes. And when the snow comes, the level of activity is very low. The person is not able to go and, 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 and do much outside because everything is full of snow. You already had uh, store some food or make provisions because you knew the winter was going to come in. So your level of activity in the winter was very low. And the person used to gain some weight during winter because the level of activity had decreased. Once uh, snow went away, spring came, then everybody went back to the fields and started working as usual. And in that way, that excess weight was lost as you, as you increase the, the activity. But these people that I'm calling the minorities, usually the weather is quite nice in those parts of the world. So you have people that were able to be active every day of the year. It doesn't matter if it was uh, winter or summer, weather was nice and you could go out and cultivate and do your, your usual chores. So there is a marker that we use to see how much weight and how much weight per square inch you have. And that's what we call the body mass index. And the body mass index is not the same for everybody. If you are among those minority groups, then you should not have a body mass index of more than 23. If you want to calculate your body mass index, just Google body mass index, you will see the little formula and take account your weight and height. But if you are Caucasian origin, then your body mass index should be under 25. That should be the goal that, that you should have in mind. So lifestyle medicine 
brings good news by helping you reverse the problem. And that's the fantastic news. So it is reversible. That's right. Well, technically, they call it going into remission. That's, that's the, the, the medical term. But if you're no longer taking medication and when you eat uh, things like sugar, your blood doesn't go up. Well, it is uh, a, a reverse process. You know, you are no longer a diabetic. And, you know, I have seen this process over and over and over. I could share with you many stories about people that were able to reverse their problem. And this is the fantastic news that lifestyle medicine brings to the conversation. Nowadays, we know, for example, that certain surgeries can help you lose weight. And at the same time, your diabetes will be reversed. And this has been published in the literature. Now, you don't have to go so radical as to have a surgery in order to lose weight. Why not identify the causes of the problem and make the changes? See, that surgery is not as... Uh, as, as mild as it may sound like. It is extremely invasive. Here they are, there's uh, different procedures, but one of the most common ones, they put this uh, band around your stomach in order to make it uh, small. The person cannot eat too much because the stomach suddenly becomes very small. It's very uncomfortable. Because since you're eating so much, uh, the digestive system doesn't have time to regenerate. So there's a lot of abdominal type of problems that come about there. There's problems with vitamin deficiencies. And there's always, as any surgery, risk of complications. I've seen this with my own eyes. I re remember recently a, a patient that had that surgery done and then... What ended up happening is that that band ended up cutting inside the stomach. So here, this person was not able to eat absolutely anything. They had to give him uh, outside of the stomach type of nutrition, uh, very uncomfortable, uh, not able to even uh, drink much liquid. And here she was for weeks and weeks in the hospital while they were waiting for the stomach to try to close that uh, hole. And then they had to do a, a secondary surgery to remove the band. But then the stomach was to hurt. And I mean, all kinds of problems. While well, you could solve this type of problem, making radical lifestyle changes in your life. So in my opinion, it is much better to make this type of changes than to go ahead and be so aggressive with these uh, surgical interventions. So what are the sorts of things that uh, people can do? What sorts of lifestyle changes can people uh, make to actually treat their diabetes or to reduce the risk of getting diabetes? That's right. Well, 
it's interesting that our diets have changed quite a bit from the from the old times. If you were to go back uh, three, four generations, you would see that your ancestors had a very different lifestyle. Even here in Oceania, your 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 first ancestors that that came here to to this beautiful place, uh, what they did for a living, most of the people was agriculture. That, that, that's what, that was the most common type of work. So the reason why they did agriculture is because you needed to eat. And what they did is that they started cultivating the fields, and that was the everyday food. Many of the things that they were used to eating from the uh, their ancestors from Europe, they brought some of those seeds here. They started planting these types of, of, of foods. They acquired some new foods from the area. But it was what we call a plant-based diet. Their diet was based on plants. Yes, some of them brought some lambs from from Europe and, and started uh, uh, raising th th this type of animals. But unless you were a multimillionaire, nobody could kill their lamb every day. In fact, they needed to have as many as possible because they would get the uh, parts of them to, to, to sell, such as the, the wool, et cetera, et cetera. So, that type of food was uh, festivity food. The daughter got married with some very special event. They would go and kill one of these animals, eat it, and after a few days they would run out. And what did they eat? They went back to eating the plants that they were raising. And see, we have things backwards nowadays. For us, it is festivity type of food every single day. Even things that, that in the past were uh, special, like cake. Uh, as I'm aware of, you only have one birthday uh, a, a, a year. And, and, and I mean, it's, 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 let's, let's celebrate. Let's, let's eat a little piece of, of, of cake. But it is not birthday every day. Yet, for some people, it's birthday every day. So, this type of festivity type of food is becoming the daily fare. And the interesting thing is that as globalization increases in this planet, even different chains that sell this type of food start, start coming here, and especially the young people start to be attracted to these types of, of food. And as generations go by, we see an increase and an increase of this type of refined type of, of, of food. So what do you need to do if you want to reverse your, your problem? Well, I would suggest you, you try to follow what is called a plant-based diet. Now, don't tell me, but doctor, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna like it. Look, if you are eating this type of food and you're not liking it, it's because you probably are not preparing that food correctly. I've been to 45 countries in this planet, and I understand that there's an, a, a cultural factor there. You're used to eating certain types of, of food. So try to make transition into 
converting that usual fare that you like to eat into things that are familiar to you, but that are plant-based. So step number one, you need to transform your diet into a plant-based diet. Step number two, you need to increase activity. We are extremely sedentary people nowadays. Things are so easy for us. Uh, a few uh, years ago, I was in, in Africa, and I was able to, to see how people eat of our ancestors, how our ancestors live long time ago. That's the way that they live, the way that some people in Africa live today, especially outside of the cities. Where I was, there was no running water. So if you wanted water, you, you needed to get your bucket, walk for kilometers, and then bring the, the water to your home. There is no gas. There is no electricity. You wanted to cook something. You went out with your axe, walked for some kilometers, cut a big piece of branch, and bring it home in order to, to, to cook. There are no stores in that area that I was. Absolutely no stores. You wanted to eat food. You needed to cultivate your own food. So in that area of Africa, you have the houses, and around them you have a big green area where the people are cultivating their own food. You cannot be lazy. You, you go hungry there. So everybody needs to participate in cultivating their food. So here you have these people that hours and hours and hours are invest into just surviving literally. We're talking about eight, nine, ten hours of intense physical activity in order to survive. Yet, sometimes I tell my, my, my patients, look, I want you to start with walking 30 minutes. And what do they tell me? 30 minutes, doctor, 30 minutes. I mean, th that would be like a vacation day for somebody uh, up in these areas of the, of the world. So we are too sedentary. We need to start doing more physical activity. Activity is a, is a law of our bodies. We need to be physically active. So yes, we need to walk, but also remember, if because of your type of work, you don't do much upper body type of exercise, you need to complement that to try to find to do something for that upper body of the body. So you have the diet, you have the exercise. Another common cause of metabolic type of issues is problems with rest. We know by studies that people that have problems sleeping have increased risk of diabetes because when you don't have a regular program, you send your body haywire. Hormones starts to come in, and especially worrisome is the hormones of stress. The hormones of stress tend to create insulin resistance. Remember the, the little story I, I, I told you about when you gain weight and the body started ignoring the insulin and that caused trouble? That's exactly what happens when you are in this type of uh, chronic state of stress, 
or you are not sleeping enough, the stress hormones increase in the body, and it is just like when you are gaining weight. And that actually triggers you to increase your weight and increases your risk of diabetes. So you need to put some order in your life. We are designed to have order in our lives. So every day you should go to bed and, and wake up around the same time, including the weekends. It is a huge mistake that many people do that on the weekends now they're going to bed very late and then they stay at, at, uh, in their bed uh, late in the mornings and so forth. That is something that causes a lot of problems internally. That, that's the reason why everybody on Mondays feels absolutely horrible. Why is that? Because you switch those rhythms and as the body tries to get used to the new rhythm on Monday, that's the reason why you feel absolutely horrible. So there's no need for that. So put some order in, in your life. So if you can just start implementing those three principles, you're going to see huge changes in your control of your diabetes, or this can also be the type of pro program that will give you the preventive side of things so you can avoid having diabetes. What about other conditions? Would these lifestyle changes make a difference to cancer rates, heart disease, depression, these sorts of things? See, in, 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 in a, uh, uh, telling you this uh, brief story, I never intended to do lifestyle medicine uh, in, in my life. I study uh, computer science, and uh, one day I went to visit uh, my, my brother that was taking a class in a, in a lifestyle center, and they had problems with their computers, so I fixed their computers. The doctor there was pretty impressed about it, so he invited me to come and join his, his staff. So as I come there, I start seeing that heart disease is being reversed. How do I know that? Well, angina, the pain that you get when you're doing physical activity, was starting to go away in a matter of days. Diabetes was starting to be reversed. High blood pressure. And all these types of problems, even the autoimmune type of problems, depression, and when I saw what was happening in that lifestyle center in Southern California, I said, you know, this is what I need to be doing. That's when I decided to go ahead and study medicine because I saw that the problem was being solved. And sometimes I get a little bit frustrated with certain medical systems in which we are good at maintaining disease but we're not good at solving the problem. I remember when I was in, in, in medical school and, and doing these rotations with the different uh, physicians, I would see this cycle. The person comes, the person is sick, uh, has diabetes, has hypertension, needs to be taking these multiple medications. And then uh, when they would come to the consultation, they would tell them, okay, just follow your diet and do your exercise. They never told him what diet or anything, and they send them home, and then we would see the same patient a few months ago, and we would see that actually had 
gotten worse, and now they had to add another medication. And it was a never-ending cycle. See, that, that's why I love and it's my passion lifestyle medicine. Because the approach of lifestyle medicine, it's different. It's not what is your symptom, and here is a pill for your symptom, but rather what is causing your problem. Let's deal with the cause of the problem and let's reverse this. And you know, many patients say, but doctor, I don't think I'm going to like these changes. I, I have run uh, many uh, uh, two-week lifestyle change programs around the world. And uh, just recently, I was running one of them. Uh, the wife was interested, but the husband was not that interested. So the, the husband uh, came to me and, and said, look, doctor, I'm doing this because my wife brought me. But if you believe I'm going to continue doing this at home, forget it. I, I, I'm just pleasing my, my wife here for, for two weeks. Well, after two weeks, he, has he had lost a good amount of weight. His cholesterol for the first time was able to come down to normal levels. He was feeling energetic. His mind was no longer cloudy. He felt fantastic that he came to me and said, look, what we did this weekend, we took all the stuff that was in our fridge. We gave them to one of these organizations that feed the homeless. And we have decided to make these changes permanent. And that's exactly what I want you to experience. This is why I love what I do, because my patients, I'm a, I'm a, a very fortunate physician, my patients actually get well. And that's what I love about what I do. Now, lifestyle medicine is um, obviously, on, is it on the periphery of medicine? Or is it becoming mainstream? What's happening to the research that, and the anecdotal evidence that's coming out of lifestyle medicine centres? What's happening to that? Mm -hmm. What impact is that having on the medical profession and upon health recommendations across the world? That's right. Very good question. In the old days, we're talking about the 60s, 70s, uh, somebody that was doing this type of, uh, uh, of approach would be very highly criticized. In fact, the, the, the scientific literature was quite biased against this type of research. You would submit this type of research and they would see it with, with negative eyes. They would do extra scrutiny and see this and that. I, uh, how do I know this? There's actually published articles about this. And I actually am friends with some of researchers that I had the experience of publishing back in the 50s and 60s. It was really hard. But you know, as the increase of the knowledge of nutrition have, has increased, the major uh, life-changing uh, institutions such as Harvard University, uh, Princeton, Oxford, they are becoming the main line. This has become the, the center because we are in a huge crisis. See, it's not only that being sick is uncomfortable and, and so forth. Being sick and having a lot of sick people in a population 
has very negative effect on the economy of the country. It is expensive to be treating somebody because these type of problems are what are called chronic diseases. So that means that you need to be taking these expensive medications many times a day for long periods of time. Somebody has to pay for that. And it becomes a huge burden in the budget of nations. The people are sick, they're not able to be as productive, and, and so forth. For example, there's some interesting uh, cases published in the literature, like in the case of the car manufacturers in America, how as people gain weight, as they became more sick, the premiums for the insurances increase, and that's actually, of many things, one of the things that caused some major problems in the area of Michigan, Detroit area, and many uh, companies went broke. It created a, a crisis in, in that state due to the health of the people. So this has become mainline type of, uh, of philosophy. In fact, I have been involved in publishing on, on this subject uh, just this year alone. I have submitted for publication 28 articles showing the effectiveness of lifestyle medicine. So the way that a lifestyle center works is that you come to the lifestyle center, uh, there is a, a, a team of physicians, nutriologists, nurses, exercise physiologists, and the, the, the whole package of help that you're gonna need. They go ahead and do an evaluation of your current health, and then they implement a program custom-made for you with the objectives that you have in mind. And for two weeks or three weeks, depending on the place, uh, they are following you up uh, day by day, and you see fantastic fantastic results there. In fact, uh, some of the patients I see, they even get upset with their doctor. How come nobody had ever told me about these lifestyle centers? I've been struggling with this blood pressure for so long. It was affecting even my sexual life as it caused impotence, the pills I was taking. And now my pills are gone. I feel fantastic. You know, I am so happy that I, that I came here. So as a result of that data, uh, we get that data, of course, with the permission of the patient, and we publish articles showing the fantastic results that somebody can experience as they change their lifestyle. Hmm. Now, if someone wanted to make uh, lifestyle choices, simple lifestyle choices that would have maximum impact on their well-being, what are the sorts of things that lifestyle medicine would be telling us they need to do? That's right. So we teach in these uh, lifestyle centers the principle of new start is called. And the principle of new start is one of the best summarized counsels that you can do for your health. In fact, if you violate any of those principles, you are going to get sick. I don't have a doubt about it. Those eight principles of the new start are nutrition, uh, 
Nutrition, as I mentioned, should be a plant-based diet. And another thing that is important is oils. Be careful with oils, including the olive oil. Unless you are a marathon runner, you don't need that much energy from the oils. So try to decrease your amount of oil intake. The goal should be around 10 to 15 percent of all your calories should be fat. So plant-based diet, whole plant-based diet with whole grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables, and a little bit of nuts. That is the definition of a complete diet. And then you have the principle of exercise. Remember, let's not be too sedentary. Latest research show that it's not only that you need to do your morning exercise, but throughout the day, you need to be active. Myself, I, I work on a standing up desk because in that way you're able to move more and, 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 and so forth. So remember the principle of exercise. Depends on your age and many factors, but try to have a goal of about 45 minutes to an hour of exercise. And the younger you are, the more intense is the, 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 the type of exercise that, that you need. Then we have the W for the principle of water. And the thing of it is, is that unless you have enough water in your body, the functions of the body cannot take place properly. And many, many things in your body are dependent on having enough water. So remember, I said water. I didn't say tea. I didn't say soda. I didn't say any other liquid. You need water. How much water you need? Try to shoot for about eight, nine, ten uh, cups of, of, of water. And if it's too hot, you actually need to increase even further that. Then we have N-E-W, then we have the S for uh, sunlight. Um, sunlight can be a blessing, but also can have problems if you do too much. So you need to have enough exposure to sunlight in order to get your vitamin uh, D. Uh, as you know, here in the southern hemisphere, hemisphere uh, the, the, the factor of the UV, excess UV, and, and, and so forth. So take precautions not to have too much exposure, but you do need some exposure to that sunlight. If you use a blocker, don't actually use it all the time. Uh, you need some period without it so that you can absorb that vitamin uh, D. And then we have the principle of tea, which is the principle of temperance. Temperance basically means moderate use of good things and avoidance of harmful things. So if something is harmful, why use it? Uh, unfortunately, in today's society, uh, people are promoting, oh, it's, it's just moderation. And I have a question for you. Can you use cocaine moderately? Uh, of course not. So if something is harmful, avoid it completely from your system. For example, smoking. You cannot smoke moderately. Just a little bit of smoke, one cigarette will increase your inflammation in your body for more than a day. One cigarette. And you don't smoke one cigarette. You smoke more than one. So try to overcome those types of addictions. Then 
You have the principle of air, fresh air. You guys are so blessed here in, in, in Australia to have such pure air. Take advantage of it. Go out, do your exercise, your activities outside to take advantage of that. Just two days ago, I was doing a, a seminar in Beijing, China. And I had never been in such a polluted place in my life. It was horrible, the cloud and pollution that was there. Take advantage of the fresh air you have here in your country. And then you have the principle of rest. We need three different types of rest. You need a daily rest. You need a weekly rest. Every week you need to have 24 hours in which you change activity and you definitely rest. And then you need also your vacation time. It is healthy. It is therapeutical. Take advantage of it. Some people are so workaholics, they won't even stop working. Enjoy your family. Enjoy life. Make sure that you have that balance. And finally, we have the principle of trust. Trust has to do with the relationship side of things. So things like uh, your family, uh, you need to spend time with your family, things like your friends, and also try to find that peace within. You can be doing all the other principles Yet, if you don't have peace within, believe me, your health is going to go down, downhill. You need to find uh, that peace within that, in my opinion and my experience uh, in 20 years uh, of Lifestyle Center experience, you find when you connect with your creator. There's so many resources about this. One of my favorite ones, there's a little book uh, uh, called uh, Life and Happiness. Go ahead and, 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 and Google that on, 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 on Amazon, Life and Happiness. And, and that will tell you step by step how to come about for that peace within and that change that will happen inside of you. I'm Dr. Barry Harker, and you're listening to Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Ramirez, lifestyle medicine physician from Weimar Institute in California. We've been talking about important developments in lifestyle medicine. We'll go to a break now, and when we come back, I'll be talking with Dr. Ramirez about his life and Christian commitment. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3ABN That is radio at the number 3ABN Australia, all one word. .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc. PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support.
If you've just joined me, I'm Dr Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. My guest today is Dr Eddie Ramirez, lifestyle medicine physician from Weimar Institute in California. Dr Eddie's Twitter account is Eddie R-D-M-D, that's E-double-D-I-E-R-D-M-D. If you want to keep up with the very latest on lifestyle medicine and health and you have a Twitter account, Dr Eddie's tweets are for you. That account again is Eddie RDMD. We've been talking about important developments in lifestyle medicine. My conversation with Dr. Ramirez will now turn to his life and commitment to Christianity. Dr. Eddie, tell me about your early life and your family. Well, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Um, there were some challenges as any, any family has, uh, especially in the, in the time that I grew up. There were some economic challenges in the areas of Mexico where I was where I was living, but our faith actually helped us go through those uh, difficult situations that we were facing, and that's the thing that that can help you get hope and help you keep your mind in place as you face difficult situations. That's the blessing of having that spiritual help that helps you go through through problems and helps you have that peace that doesn't matter what the storm is ranging around you, you can continue going forward. So Spanish was your first language. That's right. And English is your second language. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in Baja, which is up near California, isn't it? That's right. Uh, if you see a little bit of history, California used to be called Alta California, and then there was Baja California. Baja means lower, Alta means higher. Uh, California ended up dropping the Alta, and it became California. So it's a state bordering with what you call today California in America, uh, just across the border from there. That's where I grew up. So what was childhood like? Um, we were, uh, we had, I was born in Mexico City itself, and uh, my dad uh, was one of the, uh, that generation of new professionists that uh, certain universities were generating. And uh, my dad had uh, good jobs down in Mexico City. And somebody invited him to move north of Mexico, there into to Baja, because he said, you know, the life here is good. Mexico City is getting too crowded. You should go ahead and, and move. And it became a crisis in our in our family because as we move north, first of all, the train where we send our possessions, all our possessions got stolen on the way there. That's and a good then, start. <laughs> and then my dad. You know, like in America, if you ever heard somebody from New York or the east of America, they have this strong accent. And and, and as those people go to other parts of America, sometimes people don't like that new accent. Something similar happened in Mexico because he was from the center of Mexico. He had this strong accent. As he moved to the north, people didn't like that strong accent. So my father had a hard time from having nice jobs in Mexico City and, and, and being able to afford a, 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 a new card often. Here we are, him not able to get a, a stable type of, of job and so forth. 
And that created uh, many problems uh, uh, at, at the level of the, of the family. But still, God bless, and we were able to, to go forward. And sometimes as you look back, those problems actually make you stronger. So uh, thank God for the problems you know, that, that help us uh, create character. What, uh, what are some of your really strong memories of your childhood? I always had an interest in, in science. So I have always liked to ask questions and try to see where things are coming from. So, uh, yeah, some of the most uh, enjoyable things were when I was uh, trying to discover new things and, 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 and so forth. I remember one time I read that there was going to be this fish coming out of the water to put their eggs on the, on, on the sand of the beach. I, I used to live in front of the ocean. And um, I told my dad and my dad said, no, that's not true. I, I never heard of that. But he always supported me in everything I did, so he took me that, that evening. And sure enough, there was this fish coming out of the water to put their eggs. The, the wave would throw them out of the water. They would put the eggs, and on the next wave, they would come in into the, the water. That was a, such a neat experience that, 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 I, exper- that, that I was able to, to, to experience. And many other things, you know, that... that shaped me in, into what I am today. How did you get involved in um, information technology? Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and my mom, they always supported my, my interests. And um, I, I was actually the first person in my academy to have a computer. So uh, they supported our interest and uh, I learned the computers and so forth. In fact, I had a group of friends that we all together uh, went into high school together that, that had uh, computers. And, and I remember the teacher in high school had a hard time because we actually knew more than him. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a hard time trying to, to, to keep us at bay. <laughs> That's a generational problem, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. And then uh, the same group of students, we went ahead and did the test to apply for computer science. And all of us got, got into the computer science uh, program. So it was very nice to, to hang around with that uh, crowd of, uh, of, of friends. It was, that was actually before the Internet. My first exposure to Internet was in the last semesters of my computer science career. We're talking about 1992, somewhere there. That's the first time I ever saw the Internet. It was slow as you couldn't believe. And, uh, yeah, that's the way that I got into computer science. So did you have any ambitions as a child? I mean, did things work out the way that you wanted them to? Well, you know, when you put yourself in God's hand, God's plan is much better than your plan. According to my plan, when I finished computer science, I applied for a master's in computer science. I thought I was going to work for IBM, Oracle, one of these big computer firms. And um, I applied for that program. I get accepted. Not only that, they actually gave me a, a scholar, full scholarship to go into that. And that's exactly the time 
when I went to visit my brother at this lifestyle center. So in fact, when I got invited to work there, it was a hard decision. Here I had my life plan according to me, but you know, God had other plans for my life. And uh, as I go back, I am very glad that the decision went to the lifestyle center because my life has expanded in a way I would have never dreamt about it. And you're obviously doing something now that you find very satisfying. That's right. I love to see people reverse their disease. I love to help the patient decrease or eliminate their medication. To me, that, that, that that's such a, a fulfilling thing to see with that. And not only that, um, to be able to get these results and publish that in the literature, that is something very fulfilling. What role has religion played in your life? Yes, I believe that you need that spiritual aspect of things in order to have a balanced life. See, there are four fundamental questions that every single being, doesn't matter your worldview, doesn't matter where you live, you have to answer. And those four questions are, where do I come from? What happens after I die? What is the meaning of life? What do I do? What am I doing here in this planet? And what are the rules of, my, of the game, of life? What, what, what is morality? How do I decide good from bad? And see, every single worldview in this planet needs to answer those questions. It doesn't matter if you're not interested in philosophy or, or, or religion, you have to give an answer to those questions. Yet, the interesting thing is that I, I, I'm very interested in, in philosophy. I read a lot. And what my experience have taught me is that only in Christianity, when you answer those questions and you put them together, it makes sense. And that's a, that's a, a big discovery I, I, I found as I've been reading and studying this, this, this topic. And I believe you need that spiritual aspect. I, I see it with the patients. Patients that refuse that side of the equation, um, there's a turmoil. How are you going to deal with things like forgiveness and anger and this type of issues? Even Alcoholic Anonymous knows that. If you go to an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting, you will see the spiritual factor. In the old days, the spiritual factor was not present in Alcoholic Anonymous, and the program was not effective. Not until they realized that you had to recognize that there is somebody bigger than you that is going to help you go and overcome those problems, then Alcoholic Anonymous became global around the world. In the same way, that being is waiting for you to help you and to give you a better life. Tell me how you met your wife and tell me about your family. I, I met my wife when I moved to South Dakota to take a, a, a class there. And my wife uh, also was in, in the, same, the same class. And what was to me very attractive of her is how different we were. I grew up in a, in a Christian stable home. She was totally the opposite. 
she uh, she's American and and she grew up in a very broken home with lots of challenges, uh, no spiritual factor of things. Uh, she had gotten into uh, smoking and different things. And uh, when I meet her, she had just overcome this type of, of, of problems. She was a new uh, Christian. And, uh, yeah, we end up uh, clicking uh, very well. She is today a, a, a therapist. And uh, we have uh, three beautiful daughters, uh, 12, 8, and 6, whom uh, I enjoy uh, uh, spending time with. So you sound like you have a very enjoyable life. Lovely family and a job or a role that's extremely satisfying. Tell me what you've learned from your life that you think we all ought to know. I mean, your, your life is still a work in progress, but what have you learned from your life that you think everyone needs to know? Well, there's one of my favorite verses that says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path, uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. I believe there's a lot of wisdom there. You know, when you put your life in God's hand, God has a fantastic plan on your life. Many people think, oh, if I become Christian, it's going to be boring and, and unfulfilling. No, 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 no. Uh, try it out. Try it out you will see that God has that plan for your life. And, you know, it doesn't matter the mistakes you have done in the past. doesn't matter the heartaches that you have passed. God is able to patch that. God is able to put you back in that track so that you can have fulfillment in your life. Just briefly, would you like to offer a challenge to our listeners and offer a prayer this morning? Sure. I would challenge you to try these lifestyle changes for at least two weeks. It takes about one week in order for you to break certain addictive behaviors that the old type of diet may have. So it may take about two weeks. So I challenge you that for the next two weeks, you go ahead and do these types of changes. So let us, uh, let us pray and let us ask God that he may strengthen us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're able to meet us where we are. Thank you for your forgiveness that you gave us. And thank you for the peace that you want to give us. Help us to open our hearts to accept this. Strengthen our will. Help us to make these changes. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Dr. Eddie, that's been really great talking with you today. I've really appreciated the insights that you have shared with us. And uh, I hope you have a successful program here in Australia. Thank you. And a successful trip and a safe trip home to your family. I'm Dr. Barry Harker, and you're listening to Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. Remember to tune in again next time as I speak with another fascinating guest on Life Learnings. Until then, bye for now, and God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.